When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Bellman, and it's time for yet another foray into the world of aquariums from a slightly different perspective. When it comes to freshwater aquariums in general, and botanical-style aquariums specifically, the substrate has always been a sort of afterthought, a component of the overall aquarium that has largely been viewed as, well, a component, a little more, something that you literally pour on the bottom of the tank, smooth out, and move on to more exciting stuff. And that's kind of a shame, right? I mean... The substrate's more than just something to cover the bottom of the aquarium with. Rather, it's an important part of the overall miniature ecosystem that we create in our tanks. In fact, it's sort of an ecosystem in and of itself, a fascinating and compelling part of our aquariums. If you're a regular consumer of our content, you know my obsession with varying substrate compositions and what I call enhancement of the substrate. You know, adding mixes of various materials to create different aesthetics and function. I'm fascinated with this stuff partially because substrates and the materials which comprise them are so intimately tied to the overall ecology of the aquatic environments in which they're found. Terrestrial materials like soils, leaves, and bits of decomposing botanical materials become an important component of the substrate and add to the biological function and diversity. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, there's a whole science around aquatic substrates and their morphology, formation, and accumulation. I don't present to be an expert in no one iota about it other than skimming marine biology and hydrology books and papers from time to time. However, merely exploring the information available on the tropical aquatic habitats that we love so much around here, even just looking long and hard at some good underwater pics of them, can give us all some really good ideas. First off, in some areas, particularly streams which run through rainforests and such, the substrates are often simply a soil of some sort. A finer, darker colored sediment or soil is not uncommon. It's based on the ionic, mineral, and physical concentrations of materials that are dissolved in the water, and it varies based on water velocities and such. We've talked about this kind of stuff before. Meandering lowland rivers maintain their sediment loads by continuously resuspending and depositing materials within their channels. It's a key point when we consider how these materials stay in aquatic ecosystems. Okay, I can go on and on and on and on with my amateur, highly unscientific review of substrates in Amazonia and elsewhere, but you get the point. There's more to the substrate materials found in nature than just sand. That's the biggest takeaway here. So as hobbyists, we have more options and inspiration to draw on to create more compelling substrates in our aquariums. We talk about the concept of substrate enrichment or just enrichment a lot in the context of botanicals. We tend to use the two terms interchangeably uh, sort of around here, don't we? Now, we're not talking about enrichment in the same context as, say, planted aquarium people with materials put in the substrate specifically for the benefit of plants. Rather, enrichment in our context refers to the addition of botanical materials for creating a more natural-appearing, natural-functioning substrate, one which provides a haven for microbial life, as well as for small crustaceans, biofilms, and even algae to serve as a foraging area for our fishes and invertebrates. There's something oddly compelling to me when I look at both aquariums and natural biotopes with a diverse, interesting bottom structure. There's a lot of interesting materials which you can experiment with in your substrate. Let's look at a few. 
First off, there's leaves and botanical materials. You can utilize a bed of leaves on the bottom of your aquarium to not only form a substrate which will impart tannins and humic substances into the water, it'll provide fuel for an entire population of organisms which derive their biological processes, or which excuse me, derive the biological processes in our aquariums. As they decompose, leaves also serve as a food for this little microcosm. We've talked so much about leaf litter in the wild and in aquariums over the years. Suffice it to say that utilizing leaf litter in our tanks is a fundamental part of the botanical style aquarium approach. Interesting, some uh, semi-anecdotal informations from my friends in the know that suggest that biofilms for decaying leaves form a valuable secondary food for the fry of fishes like discus, waro, after they're done feeding on their slime, uh, parent six-slitted slime coat, and even lower card catfishes. And of course, all sorts of other grazing fishes like caracins and even cyprinids can derive some you know, nutrition from the fungi, bacteria, and small crustaceans which you live in, on, and among the leaf litter bed. I've seen fishes like pencil fish specifically, but not limited to Nanostomus marginatus. I've seen it with Equus and a few others. They spend a large amount of time during the day picking at the leaf litter and on the surfaces of decomposing botanicals and maintaining girth during periods when I've been traveling or whatever. And that leads me to believe that they're deriving at least part of their nutrition from the leaf litter botanical bed in the aquarium. As I've obsessively reported to you over the years, I set up a small tank in my office a while back for the sole purpose of doing damn near the entire substrate with leaves and twigs, sort of like in nature. There's, in this particular tank, there's less than a quarter inch of sand, which is like about 0.635 centimeters, something like that. I went from throwing in wood to making it look cool to ultimately yanking it out and just having nothing but leaves and a few small twigs on the bottom. The whole scape. What we used in the reef world, we used to call that a no-scape. <laughs> leaves and just a shoal of pericaridon simulants, nothing else. And the interesting thing about this, that tank is that it was one of the most chemically stable low-maintenance tanks I've ever worked with. It held a TDS of about 12 and a pH of 6.2 pretty much from day one of its operation. It cycled in like five to six days. Ammonia was barely detectable. Nitrite peaked at about 0.25 milligrams per liter in approximately three days. I mean, this was a very fast cycle. Now, the point is not to drop a big old humble brag about some cool tank I started and how bitchin' it was that I did it. The point is to show what I think is an interesting thing that I've noticed about this type of leaf litter only tank. That's the substrate. Stability and ease of function. I was quite astounded how a new tank could go from dry to broken in in like a week or so. And not just broken in, or i.e. cycled, like stable. I don't usually do this, but I tested all the parameters every day for the first three weeks of this tank's existence just to see what would happen. And it was kind of rock solid. Pretty amazing. Another thing we could play with is twigs. You ever thought about creating a substrate for your crime consisting entirely of twigs? I think twigs are truly amazing materials to use for substrates for a variety of reasons. First, a structure of twigs offers an interesting physical structure within the aquarium, which provides bottom-dwelling fishes with a place to hide, forage, and spawn. Second, like any other botanical material, twigs will impart tannins and humic substances into the water column as they decompose. One might call them an active substrate material. Finally, twigs, by virtue of their abundant surface area, will provide colonization substrate for fungi, biofilms, and other microbial growth. This is a huge thing and shouldn't be overlooked. In fact, the interstitial spaces created when you sort of stack, okay, more like toss uh, the twigs into place, are really useful for all sorts of fishes and shrimp to inhabit. Let's circle back again to some familiar things. Again, let me just repeat what I said before. We talk about the concept of substrate enrichment or enrichment a lot in the context of botanicals. 
we tend to use the terms interchangeably. Again, we're not talking about the enrichment in the same context as, say, planted aquarium guys with materials put into the substrate specifically for the benefit of plants. However, the addition of botanicals and other materials can create a sort of organic kind of a mulch, right? Which can serve as a, uh, what would I say? It serve as a sort of a, a growth medium for uh, various aquatic plants. So I think that's the jury's still out on that stuff. We found over the years that playing with botanicals and other materials in the substrates can create really dynamic places. And the aquariums that we set up in this manner can benefit from the addition of leaves and all these other materials. I think for years, many aquarium substrates were really just sands and gravels. Now with the popularity of planted aquariums, new materials like, like clays and other additives entered into the fray. With the botanical style aquarium gaining steam now, you're seeing other materials added into the substrate. We've offered various materials over the years to try to help this uh, process along. Stuff like the coconut-based Fundu Tropical and the smaller Substrato Fino, or even Cocoa Palm Bracts, materials which in both look and feel are far different from what's typically utilized in aquarium work as substrate. You might say that to some extent, an ex enriched or enhanced substrate functions as a sort of refugium providing protection for many beneficial creatures to grow and multiply. Many other services like nutrient processing and scavenging of uneaten food uh, and other things happen and they're making this not only a pleasing uh, area within your aquarium from an aesthetic standpoint, but a highly functional one as well. Now there's way, way more than I could touch on in this brief podcast, but the idea of alternative substrate materials is something that we should be exploring a lot in our botanical style aquariums. I hope to talk about this a lot more in coming installments of the tin, and I'm sure we'll be discussing ideas for alternative substrates elsewhere as well. So stay tuned, stay creative, stay curious, stay excited, stay diligent, stay observant, and always stay wet. Until next time, this is Scott Bellman from Tin and Aquatics. Thanks for spending part of your day with me. I look forward to seeing you on the next installment of the tin.